Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 91 of Steve Ag uh, with my guest, the lovely, talented, amazing, awesome Angela Serafian, uh, who you may know from Westworld. And speaking of which, I, I want to throw this out here up top. Uh, towards the end of this uh, podcast, we do get into to Westworld. And so there are one or two spoilers that are given away. Um, so if you're planning on watching it and haven't, you know, once we start to get into the subject of Westworld, you may want to uh, skip it or um, pause it and go rent or watch the whole thing. It's out on HBO Go. Uh, I think most people have HBO Go or actually have HBO so you should watch it. It's one of my favorite shows of the past year, uh, but we do get into some spoilers. So uh, just keep that in mind if you're planning on watching it and haven't yet. Uh, if you have watched it, enjoy. This is a, a really awesome. This is one of my favorite episodes. Uh, I also had one other thing I wanted to. I wrote it down. Oh, yeah, there. One other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, at one point, we start talking about my whole debacle of not being able to go down to uh, Columbia uh, two years ago to shoot the Belco experiment. And I, I believe I don't even know why I said that, but I said James uh, Gunn directed it. He did not direct it. He uh, wrote and produced it. It was actually obviously uh, directed by Greg McLean. So there's that. Um thing I wanted to fix. And other than that, I hope you enjoy this. Um, I do have, as far as plugs, I'll be at Comic-Con later this month, and I'm not going to be there for any reason other than just hanging out, but I will be down there. So if you see me, say hello. I would actually love to do a... I wonder if there's a... It's probably too late to set up a live podcast recording, but whatever. I will be down at Comic-Con in San Diego, so if you're there and you see me, say hello. Uh, Also in August on the 17th, which is a Thursday, I will be doing another live episode of Steve A.G. Uh, The last one went so well with Maya Rudolph and Dax Shepard that um, we're going to try and do this once a month. Uh, It's too late for this month to book it, but uh, July... Yeah, July's out. August 17th. There's another one in September. I don't know the day yet. Anyway, I'm going to keep this short because this is a long episode. Um, I found Angela to be a lot easier to talk to than I had uh, anticipated going into this because I didn't really know her all that well. So I was actually really nervous and was just like, oh my God, what if I run out of things to say? Uh, That wasn't the case. She's very easy to talk to, very delightful. And uh, I really love this episode and I hope you do too. So uh, please enjoy episode 91 with Angela Serafian. 
Hello. Hello. I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I love the sound of my voice in headphones. Wait, I have to hear my, my You have voice. a good audio voice. Audio voice. That's the only kind of voice there is, I guess. The audio kind of voice. Well, I I I've I don't think so. You don't? I listened mm -hmm. to that um I listened to that podcast you oh did. Oh my god. I told so you that, but I listened. You have a really great voice. You don't think you do? No. Why? Well, well, when I I I had to listen back to it just to see what that was like cuz I'd never done that before, and I realized that I sound ridiculous, like really kind of my vo my voice goes and Your just voice like does not do that. It does. You've got a great voice. Well, thank you. And as, yeah, everything sounds good. Cool. Uh, like I was, I was saying in there just before you interrupted and left to go make your weird tea. <laughs> My we, were green tea. We, we were talking about glasses. Oh yeah. I didn't know you wore glasses. You didn't? No. Oh. Do you wear? You must wear contacts then on Westworld. Are you wearing contacts when you're shooting? Um, not, How not, bad not is your always. vision? It's pretty bad. It's really bad. I can't see you if I took them off. Like, like you just look like a big blur now. Can you see how many fingers? I'm I on? see that. <laughs> he just flipped me out. I, <laughs> flipped me out. Isn't that what that is? Flipped off. Oh shit! I didn't even know. How um, to express it correctly. Flipped. What? Flipped out. He flipped me off. <laughs> he flipped me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think these terms should be even... They shouldn't even be a thing. No. We shouldn't should be flipping people off at all. Or out. We should just be waving to people and saying, hi, hi, friend. But I have really, really bad vision, too. I'm nearsighted and farsighted. How's both eyes? Yeah. One <laughs> eye is... My right eye is worse than my left, but I... The last time I got an eye checkup and prescription... Oh, did you want your pretzels? No, no, you eat them. They're gluten-free pretzels, by the way. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. So, prescription. The last time I got my prescription, they're like, yeah, your eyesight is so bad, you should have progressive lenses oh. for far away yeah. like driving mm -hmm. and then also for reading. Because these glasses I'm wearing now are just for my farsightedness. Okay. So, if I read or look at my phone... You have to take it if off. If you've ever seen Instagram stories or Instagrams of me, I, I have my glasses on my <laughs> forehead all the time. That's right. Oh, I didn't realize that. It's because I'm always looking at my phone. But can you see, you could see without, with I, one eye. Well, they're both a little bad. But they... I mean, when you take your glasses off and you're looking at your phone, you could see... You could see with one eye, but can't with the other. No, no, they're both nearsighted and farsighted. Oh, that's so crazy! How is that yeah. possible? I don't know. I don't understand. Science. No, wait, I, it's possible. <laughs> I I know why. You do? Well, yes, because I don't know the scientific reasons, but anytime they've checked my eyes, they check all these kind of different right. levels of what you can see. So, for example, a normal person who doesn't have bad eyesight could just look far away and it's fine. Yeah. But then as you get older, not that you're old. I am old. No, you're not. Yeah. No, no. That's not, I mean, it's I don't know. It's a state but of the mind, near, I know, I know <laughs> but I am old. The nearsightedness came when? How old were you then? Um, Within like the past 10 years, it got bad. Okay, so well, 
I don't know if it's necessarily age, but like for example, with my mom, she recently started seeing very, very badly in terms of uh, reading things. Right. But she could always see well far away. So I feel like there are two different things that happen with the eyes. Yeah, I don't understand it. And they tried to give me progressive lenses, which part of the lens, like the upper half, is for seeing far away, mm -hmm. and the lower half. Is just so you can look down and read. Did that screw you up? It really made me kind of sick because there's like a there's like a really fine line in between where everything was kind of blurry for me, and so I opted just to get a separate pair of glasses for reading and That's a separate smart. for far away. And um, I'm not to bring my mom back into the picture, but she recently <laughs> got. <laughs> Why don't you just bring her with you for this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> No, what did your I, mom do? I, well, it's your fault. You brought up I the know, glasses this is, thing. It is she my just fault. got them like a week ago, and they're three different. Um, they're progressive, just like yours, mm -hmm. but the three different right. sizes. So on top, it's for far away, yep. which isn't too bad. The middle, it's like the Computer, in between spot, yeah, yeah. and then the lowest part is for reading. Is she, is she adjusting to it well? No, she's not. Yeah, I couldn't adjust. But I think I'm going to have to, because they said, yeah, it's weird to get used to, but you just eventually do it. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you all right? <laughs> just adjusting my chair. I can't see you. I don't Your like glasses that. are great, though. Those are sunglasses that you put regular lenses in. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the perfect size for my head. I mean, in my eyes, they're so big. I like when girls have huge glasses. Like, I, I know some girls that have glasses that go like, way down their cheek like yeah, cover like part that's of their so cheek. cute and i love those mm -hmm. and i kind of want those. i didn't even think it was an option to get like sunglasses and put regular lenses in it i yeah. might do that yeah you should do that i think you should get these like, are my sunglasses Ooh. yeah they're, they're gold those are the, framed those are polo glasses they're ralph lauren oh ralph lauren which is polo yeah they have all those different kinds of ralph laurens like the really yeah. Expensive kind. But these were in the bargain part. That's where I shop. And Always. I went right oh, right down here to uh, Lens Crafters. I've never been. Oh, my God. I always go to, like, these private places. Like, privately owned, not Lens Crafter type, but, like... Legitimate, though. They're probably like better. Like, little vintage stores or... I had an eye infection earlier this year, and I went to an actual eye doctor, and he's like... Oh yeah, don't don't go to those places. He's like, I'll do your eye exam. <laughs> I was like, what do you know about lens crafter that I don't know? But I've never had a problem with them. I have a lot of friends that go there. I don't think there's anything wrong I don't, with that. I, I'm, my eyes are okay right now. Is that where you got those glasses? I got these, yeah. And sometimes I get productions to pay for my glasses. That's like, so smart. Because they'll say, do you wear glasses? Like, you know production will call me before a shoot and they'll go do you wear glasses and i go yeah and they go um do you have reflective like they have lenses just for acting mm -hmm. that won't reflect light they yeah. make it easier for actors and um and so uh a lot of times i'll, I'll just say no i just have regular <laughs> I have regular lenses that are that reflect light and it looks horrible and so they'll they'll say well if you send us your prescription So then they'll switch this out this No they'll get the me new frames thing. with glasses in them Like which and then show after we finish, what, what were you on when they did that 
Uh, New Girl did that for oh, me. I love New Girl. They still have the glasses though, because I, oh. I recur on that show, and so it's. Um, but I and they're those big frames that I like. They're the big. I love that. Maybe you could take them when you're. Well, they kind of. I play a homeless guy on the show, and they, I know that. And they kind of. I've been watching. They crack one of the lenses, so it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a prescription cracked lens, which. Yeah, which is perfect for you. But you could always switch the cracked one with a regular one. Eventually. That's a great idea. We're coming up on the last season of the show. Perfect. This year will be the last season. So I did the show called The Good Guys. This is where I, I met Jenny Wade. Jenny Wade. And um, I got to wear glasses on that show. I know. But I was so stupid when the show finished. I should have taken the glasses. You didn't. I asked for permission to take them, and then the producer said, yeah, of course we'll send them, and they never did. Oh, you just got to take them. I, was, I keep having like dreams about those glasses. Really? <laughs> yeah, because they were so big, and they were Ray-Ban wafers. Wafers? <laughs> Two corrections. That's what, these, that's what my old sunglasses are. Yeah, those... I really love. They're like, they're like this big. Yeah, they're huge. They're huge. They're not huge on me because I have a fat head. You don't have a fat. Yeah, head. I have. I can't. I mean, find it's hats. bigger than my head. Yeah, yeah. They're... I can't find hats ever. Oh really? I'm that type of guy that if I go into a store and I'll try on a hat, if it fits, I just buy it <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> oh, I can't no. find. I have like a size eight. You know, hats are all like seven and three quarters or seven. And I five. never go hat shopping. I just go to like a thrift store and if it. It's cute. I just take it. There's actually across the street from the studio and diagonally across the street, there's a, a hat store. It's like, but it's like an old timey. Like we go after? We can. It's like a haberdashery or whatever they're called, where it's like, you know, proper. What are they called? Uh, like they have every kind of old timey hat in there. So we should go get you a we, hat. We can go look in there. Okay. Um, do you live around here? I live in Beechwood Canyon. Oh, now everybody knows. Well, I am very open. Do you oh, live near here? I don't. I live in Los Feliz, which is close to Beechwood Canyon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I um, I guess we should say how we know each other. I, my <laughs> guest, obviously, I mean, if you clicked on the link, you know, because you saw her name is Angela Serafian. Did I say that right? Yeah. Um, Thank you for saying it right. <laughs> you're welcome. And we met through our mutual friend, Jenny Wade. Yes. Who apparently you met on The Good Guys. Mm-hmm. And she said something pretty amazing when we were working on the show. She goes, um, I feel lucky if I could meet one person per show and make a true friend. Wow. And I thought, wow, that's really, it's very poignant because I I feel the same way. I do too. And so she and I remained friends. That was like seven years ago, six years ago. No, it was that long ago? It was that long ago. Oh my God! Really? No. Where does the time go? It's crazy. You blink and it's you're like fifty. So, almost. <laughs> so Jenny has. Well, she just moved, so she hasn't done this in a while. But I she. Been she would have this. these Sunday night dinners at her apartment. Mm. Um, or just like a handful of friends would come every Sunday, and it started as like The Walking Dead. Everyone would come over and eat and watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> Oh, and then right. that kind of just faded out, and we stopped watching it, and we would just hang out and eat. And then, just before she moved, this was—I think this was one of the last times she did this dinner. It was the last time before I went. Oh yeah, it was the last time I went to one of these. Yeah, dinners. me too. Well, it was the first and last. Yeah, you showed up, and I remember I was a huge fan of—I am a huge fan of Westworld, 
and you walked in to her apartment and I didn't make the connection but you had a familiar you had that why would you I didn't look anything like Clementine exactly but enough to where I was like I think I know her have I met her I think I know her you know where you have a familiar Uh like where you see someone you've seen on TV or something that's happened to me me too well it happened at Jenny's (laughs) and you walked in and I was like there was something familiar. It was almost like it felt like deja vu. Yeah. Like you walked in and you looked really familiar. But I also, I think because you play like a robot on Westworld, I had a very <laughs> uneasy feeling that I couldn't place. So I was like, oh, I know this person, but I did she double cross me at some time? In my, like I had this very uneasy feeling until I placed you. How long did that take? About f- five minutes. Oh, wow. Seems more dramatic. Than no, it wasn't so like... dramatic five minutes. It wasn't after you left the dinner and I was like, who was, who is that? She really scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> She's fucking terrified. I have that effect on people. Um, something's going to come full circle in a way, I guess, to, to the new girl. I was walking down the street on Franklin and I saw a guy and I was like... Oh, hey, hey, I'm about to go, hey. And I don't even say the words, and I just have the hand gestures out, like, hi. And I'm like, oh, I don't know him. And he kind of went, hey, at the same moment. And and then I just kind of stopped doing it midway and just went back to walking like a robot. <laughs> ran away. Like, and then I realized after I left him that, well, after we crossed paths, that that was one of the guys from The New Girl. Do you know which one? Jake? Jake. I think that's his name. His real name. I knew, yeah, Jake Johnston. I knew him before. New Girl was weird because I knew I got that job because it was season two and a friend of mine was directing an episode. Uh-huh. And there was a really small part for a homeless guy who was sleeping on the hood of her car. <laughs> and it wasn't even a recurring part at the time. They just. He, he You're goes, so funny. Though. He goes. He goes, I have a friend who I think would be good for this. And he mentioned it to the executive producer, Aaron O'Malley, who was the executive producer on a show I did with Sarah Silverman on Comedy Central. Yeah. And she goes, oh, my God, I love Steve. Yeah. It was like one line. And um, then that turned into that one line, the way you did it. It just was so funny. Um, but yeah, I've our, seen our, everything you've done. So when I walked into Jenny's house and I saw <laughs> no, who I was like, true. I saw all of the stuff you did on New Girl. Everything. That's amazing. And I've seen Sarah Silverman's show. So I, I know your work. I think you're great. <laughs> I think you're, you're great. Really funny. <laughs> yeah. You were great. I watched, I didn't see all of the new, the new guys, but I watched the good guys. The good guys, sorry. But I like the new guys. The new guys. The new girls. I'm still thinking the new, new girls. girl. The, the good, good guys, guys. Because I knew Colin already. Yeah. I've known Colin for a long time. Oh, and Bradley God. Whitford did an episode of Sarah Silverman show where he was the mayor <laughs> and he was marrying me and my boyfriend in this episode. <laughs> um, He's great. Yeah, and then I met Jenny at this thing called the Thrilling Adventure Hour. Did oh, you? Oh, I know. I, I never got to do that. I Aaron Ginsberg, right? Yeah. He's also. He goes to those Sunday nights. This, are they still? Well, no. Well, we, no, we I mean, done it since she moved. No, I mean, um, the Thrilling Adventure Hour is that still around? 
I thought that kind of ended. Not really. It kind of ended. Oh, okay. I got. I really wanted to come see, but it was always sold out. Every time I'd get, you try to get, just ask Jenny, and she would have. She was up. like, she, I was, I was asking her, but she was like, I think they're sold out. I think. Oh, that's weird because they always say, hey, uh, give us names if you want someone on the guest list. She probably didn't want me to come. She probably didn't want you to come. She was like, I don't want you to come. She don't want you judging. I wouldn't judge. Maybe I would. I, I would, think you would. I would. I would enjoy it though. I've. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Um. Judge it. Judge. It's, it's not, like old timey radio. So you've never seen it? No, I've only seen. I've heard it on a, on podcast. on. Yeah, but I've never seen. Do you it. listen to a lot of podcasts? No, I don't. Do you? I I do now. I start. I. It's just what I listen to when I drive, and I'm always in my car. So I. So do you do this every week? I try to. Yeah. This is the ninety first episode. <gasps> wow! I just 91. Sunday night I taped the ninetieth episode with Maya Rudolph and Dax Shepard. That's amazing. And That's we did it live, live it, with an audience. Wow! It was my first time. Where? Here? <laughs> we did it a few blocks away. <laughs> Angela brought in some gluten free pretzels by a company called I think they're called Glutino mm -hmm. and she walked in she's like do you want some pretzels and I generally don't I would never buy pretzels but when I eat them I'm like oh yeah these are satisfying but I took a bite of these and they're fucking delicious I love the sound effect oh thanks I'm gonna hand your bag back I have one too these gluten-free pretzels, and everyone in the green room was going, these are better than real pretzels. They are. They're gluten-free. They almost taste sweet. And they only have one gram of sugar for 13. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, it's delicious. Mm. That's my lunch right there. I wanted gluten-free pretzels since yesterday when I went sailing. Oh, I saw that. Ugh. You, did you get seasick? Yes. You did? Again. Again? And I took Dramamine. Okay. Because I almost left you a comment. I mean, you, you should follow Angela on um, Instagram. Oh, yeah. It's Angela sure. Serafian. S-A-R-A-F-Y-A-N. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was spelling it for you in case you forgot. Uh, but you had these Instagram stories yesterday of you sailing. I'm assuming out of like Marina Del Rey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you go out into open water? Yes. That's where you get seasick. For two hours. If you stay in the bay where the water's smooth, you're great. Yeah, I am great there. Yeah. So you know all about it. Yeah, my dad used to sail. My dad used to have a sailboat when we were, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. and I was fine. We would sail to Catalina. Really? And I was fine. And then something happened in like my teenage years where I would start to get seasick. And I remember we went sailing out of Mar Marina del Rey on his friend's boat. We didn't have a boat anymore, but he, his friend had a sailboat, and we went out sailing once, and I was like so sick. I didn't throw up or anything, but I just felt nauseous for like a whole day afterwards. Oh, shit. So why? Why do you think? 
I don't know. I have inner ear problems. I have vertigo, oh. and so it just really screws up my But it's weird that you didn't have that when you were a kid. Like yeah, young, I think young, I, young. Well, I had a neck injury, which I think caused my inner ear problems. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, like whiplash. I was jumping out of, I jumped out of a speedboat. No! Yeah. Uh, what? Going about 50 miles an hour. What I were thought, you thinking? I was at Lake Havasu with some friends of mine. Oh. Water skiing. I was a teenager. And we did, I don't know why we did this, hour. but we decided to see who could jump out of the boat going the fastest. And in our minds, I think it was because this is just water. We'll jump out and hit the water, and it's soft water. But it was like hitting cement. Oh, shit. Like you hit, you jump out, oh, and you just God. roll across the top of the water. Oh, no. And I didn't have a life vest on either when I did it, and uh, really fucked how my neck up. How deep was the water? Oh, we were out in the middle of the lake, so it was, you know, I don't know, 100 yeah. feet maybe? Shit. I don't know. I curse a lot. I also realize I, I curse a lot. I, everybody sorry. does. But on the radio, it's so, on the podcast, it's like very evident. Believe me, they've heard worse on my podcast. I, I went to military school and I picked up the worst cursing. Tell, share, share with us all. I got kicked out of high school. You did? I cut the roof off the shop teacher's Cadillac. <gasps> and I oh drank a lot in high school. I when I was a freshman, two seniors took me out and got me drunk. And it me and it maybe I was a soft no, I think I was still a freshman and it like changed my life. <laughs> that sounds so horrible. So you were like fifteen? I was a shy, a really shy kid. I was super shy around girls. And But you cut off your teacher's roof t- well, it was the car in the auto shop that they used to practice on. Like, oh. it was a beat up car. It wasn't like a nice car that I did. Oh, it. okay. And um, <laughs> I got uh, I, I I once these guys took me out and got me drunk. I was like, I was like, oh my god! I I lost all my inhibitions. Oh, no. I would talk to girls, no problem. I would kiss girls at parties, and I was like, oh my god! Alcohol's the best thing ever. And then when I was like 18, I got like really sick. I drank like weight. I beer bonged a bottle of champagne and a 12 pack of beer. Oh my God. And had like half a pint of rum and just, that was really the last time for me. I got so sick for like days afterwards. I think I got alcohol poisoning. And then, uh. Have you been drinking since? No, I would socially drink, you know, through college and everything, but I would never get drunk again. Yeah. And then a few years ago, I think I developed like an allergy because I would have just one beer. I'm the same way. I'd have one beer and the next day just feel shitty. Oh. And so I just stopped. I was like, I don't, I, I'm only socially drinking anyway. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the taste of it either. Yeah. So it doesn't taste good. No, I don't think any alcohol tastes good. Like, but there are people that are like, oh, oh, yes. oh ice oh, cold beer. Yeah. Mm, liquid looks- wheat. <laughs> It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And it looks like urine. The yeah. beer does. Yeah. Closely. And it looks the Not same all. way when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, it does. So I got sent to military school in Pennsylvania. Did you ever see Taps? It's a military school drama. It was like Sean Penn and Tom Cruise's first movie. I think uh, I have, like, but I don't It was remember. in the 80s, and uh, I got sent to that school. It's the school that was the basis for Pensy Prep and Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. Oh. J.D. Salinger was what, an alumni. You, how was that for you? It was horrible. Ugh. Um, 
What happened? What would they do? How was your routine? Like, what do you wake up and do? It, you wake up at like 5, 5.30 every morning, uh-huh. go running, go jogging, do calisthenics. Then you go back to the barracks or the dorm uh-huh. and you like clean. You like what do you clean, clean the showers, you clean the bathrooms, Ugh. you scrub the floors, you polish your shoes and your brass belt buckles. And it's like the military. Uh-huh. And then after? And then you go eat, and then you go to school, and oh. then you... It's fucking tedious. How old were you? I was like 16, I think, when I went there. 16. I was almost 17. So 16, 17, eight, two years? Two years? Yeah, two years. Junior and senior year. I can't believe that. That's crazy. For two years, you did that yeah. every day? The good thing was I sold a pilot years ago based on my time in military school. Uh-huh. It never got made, but something came out of it. <laughs> really? Um, what was it? It was for FX. It was just uh, like a high school comedy, but it was in a military school. I thought it was really funny, but they just, halfway through us, we did one draft, and they're like, eh, we don't want to do it anymore. Oh, great. What about other places? You we know? tried. Oh. Well, you should you just do? make it yourself. I have this theory. Uh-huh. It's a strange theory, but I have it. Um, we ever ever there's so many filmmakers I know, including my brother and friends, and they have five D, seven Ds. They have black magics. They I have, have all a seven D. Yeah, you've got we've got all these cameras. We have the equipment. You get you, you get a they small, make movies on iPhones now. Yeah, yeah, but but you but like realistically, I just did a film about a month ago. And I guess the budget was a million, but there weren't that many people on that crew. Yeah. Alone, there wasn't. And and so if you have like a budget of, I don't know, even 50,000, yeah. you could make something happen. Like you could do That's it. most of the th- movies I do are like low budget, independent. And I, I find those are the best because they're, they're fun. Yeah. They're fun to do. And I don't know. I don't, I don't fully understand, but there's Amazon, there's Netflix, Hulu, there are all these other places yeah. that you could take your films yeah. to. So, yeah, it's great that you can do films now for like Netflix and it's not just Yeah. It's an exciting time kind of. I did a web series years ago for for Netflix and it was called a web series. It was mm-hmm. called Let's Big Happy. It was um this funny kind of weird thing that incorporated music and Taco Bell were the sponsors. <laughs> it was the strangest thing. But I got to work with Brendan Colthurst. Do you know him? No. Um, he's he's really nice guy, very talented. And Fox TV Digital, I think is what they were called. They were also involved. Yeah. So it was it was the beginning kind of of what has become like the the new greatest thing, which is the shows and films that they do on Netflix and Amazon are... Do you think the oversaturation of outlets for showing movie and TV has also, though, contributed to lower-paying jobs? Like, Do you? I, I don't know. I don't know, but that something happened like seven or eight years ago. Hmm. Where like every job, unless you're a, a featured player in a movie or a regular on a TV show... Everything is for scale now. Yeah, like quotes sucks. went out the window. Like That's I had so a quote, bad. and that has just not been met in years. In fact, there was a meeting last night at SAG. SAG had a meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about I um, you know they want people to say vote to authorize a strike. They don't want to go on strike, but they're saying you know if we authorize a strike, it'll show that you know 
the union is serious. Yeah, well, that's striking. I think it's I think it's important because this yeah. conversation I had about three weeks ago, how you don't you just can't make a living anymore off <laughs> doing anything. You yeah. have to constantly work, and yeah. you, there. I don't know. I've never seen a residual from from something I've done in a while. Yeah. Or it's like point zero one cents or thirteen cents. So many or, of those. I know, but those are from like a hundred years ago. Yeah. So it's not easy being an actor in this city. It's in terms of making enough to get by. I was telling somebody, I the past year and a half for me has been one of the busiest working periods for me. Mm-hmm. But with the the least amount of like payoff, like right. the work I've done in the past year and a half, uh, ten years ago would have probably bought me a house. And now it's like I'm still living in an apartment. Like <laughs> there are still months where I'm like, Do you like I was looking at my uh, on the SAG website just last night, and uh, you know because I have to pay my dues. And uh, so it bases your dues on what you made mm-hmm. the previous six months or whatever. And I, the amount it said I made last year, I'm like, why am I living in an apartment if that's what it says I made? Oh, wow. I don't understand because I don't – I feel like it's exaggerated. But also it's just, everything is for scale. Are you – well, are you um, – do you have a corporation? <laughs> I haven't yet. Oh. Are you? Yeah, I I should do that. Yeah. Maybe if you're making if you're making a lot of money and not seeing it, I think maybe that might be good. Ugh. All I think about now is buying a house. Yeah, me too, but it's so bad now, isn't it? Yeah. Like the market's so high. People keep saying that's going to end. Like when? it's about to like break. Cause they cuz apartments are also so, so expensive. expensive. Yeah. I was looking into apartments a few months ago because mm-hmm. I've been living in the same studio apartment for 10 years, which for me is fine because I just, I was single and I was living by myself and I just need a place to sleep and, you know, and shower and eat. And I'm fine with that. I started dating a girl last year and we were talking about her moving out here. And I was like, oh, well, I have to get a new place. And I start looking at like... Apartments. I'm like, when did these go up? Like rent for a two bedroom apartment, you're going to be hard pressed to find something under like twenty three hundred dollars. Yeah, there's no way. And I lived in a two bedroom apartment, like you know, eleven years ago. That was like what I'm paying now for my studio. That's so stupid. That that's how expensive everything and is. And so everything's so expensive. And they're right not now. and they're not new apartments. It's no. Like they're they're old apartments. No air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. No you don't have central en- Yeah. That's LA. That's what it is in Los Angeles. And so I've heard a lot of people saying that's what's gonna make this bubble break. I I, I just am repeating you know, terms I've heard, but I think it's gotta it's gotta loosen up. Right. When? When? I don't know. Well, I was watching that movie. Is it The Big Short? Is that what it was called? The Big Sick? No, The Big Short? The oh, big yeah, yeah, Short? yeah, yeah. Steve Carell? Yeah. And that was about when the market kind of crashed. Yeah. And 
I was thinking, how quickly did it just all of a sudden everything's fine and everyone's got homes and the prices are just going up? Yeah. Like how? When did that happen? And when's it going to happen again? Yeah. Because that's what I need. That's what I need too. I I'm very lucky. I don't have to have a day job, but there are still months where I'm like, oh fuck, how am I gonna, how am I gonna pay? It's gonna be really tight paying. Would my you rent live in month. L.A. or New York or San Francisco or do you have a? You're from L.A. I grew up an hour away from here in Riverside. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but so I've lived in New York. I lived in New York in 93. I went there with my girlfriend at the time and cut to like four or five months later, we had to leave because it was so expensive. Like we went through all of our money and like wow. just just like that. It's so okay. quick. Um, but yeah, now I think about houses. Here. I think about houses more than I think about girls. <laughs> I'm not as pressed now to buy a place. My girlfriend broke up with me a few weeks ago. Oh. And so it's now I'm like I don't feel the pressure to like get a place. For the past 6 months I've been like I really got to find a place. I really got to find a place to get her out here. And um now I'm a little more Are you okay? You, she broke up with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. It's a it was a long distance, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. I've never done. I I kind of have done it in the past, but not this long. Not that long. It was like my brother did it for five years. How did it work out? No, they broke <laughs> up a couple months ago. Um, it was. I think it was really hard. She was out in 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 France, and Oof. he was here, so it was just impossible to. Yeah, I was. It was weird for me because I was like. When we had met, I had was just coming off a period of not having a girlfriend for like five or six years. So I was like, I can do a long-distance relationship. I haven't had a girlfriend in five years. I can go a month or two without seeing you, and it'll be great every time I do see you. So at first I was like, yeah, this is great. But then, yeah, it starts to get a little yeah sad. You're like, Ugh. Then we have to talk on the phone, Skype again, yeah, text. Um, but yeah, you, you know, you get to a point where then you start seeing the writing on the wall. You're like, "This is." Would it? I wasn't surprised when it happened. I mean, there were a lot of other factors, you know, um, and we're still friendly. It wasn't bad. It was mm-hmm. kind of. I was kind of like, "Yeah, thing. I guess this has to happen." I guess hmm. it was a bummer, but life goes on. Yeah. Oh, don't no, cry. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. Um, yeah, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it was, you know, it was also one of those on set, like, she was my, she was the makeup artist on a movie I did oh. in, in Ohio. and In Ohio? Yeah. Where? We were shooting in Dayton. Oh, Dayton. She lived in Cincinnati, but we were shooting in Dayton and... Everything's so heightened and just fun when you're on location. Yeah. I love being on location. I love shooting out of town. You do? Yeah. Especially when I'm single. I have, you know, I have no one to rush home to. And I, right. I'm like, this is great. And, you know, I shot in Atlanta for a month last year. And I was just like, this is the best. This is the best. I'm yeah. having so much fun. And you, I just want to just be in the moment and, you know, s- I'd never been to Atlanta before. Or, yeah. You know, when you shoot in different states or cities, it's it's fun to just explore. And... Yeah, of course. And I was thinking you could do the same thing here because I was, I keep going out 
to the beach. Yeah. And I think I never, I don't come here enough. And when you look out, when you, well, when I was on, on the boat yesterday and I was looking out, it's like this looks like a yeah. place you would go to in Italy or yeah. some, and we never actually go out and explore these things in our own cities. Whose boat were you on? My boyfriend's. And, and you still get sick? Yeah. Because <laughs> that boat goes like this. Yeah. I'm doing the gesture of the boat moving up and down and the waves hitting. And so I sat in the front of the boat yeah. and didn't move. Like I, I laid down with my arms and my legs like in a triangle, yeah. sort of, and was holding on for two hours. <laughs> I mean, I'd stand up, but every time I'd put my head up, I'd want to throw up. So Ugh. I just lay down. But the dramamine put me to sleep. Oh, yeah. That thing, I still feel sleepy today. Yeah, it's like Benadryl. It's even stronger than Benadryl. Yeah, it was, and there are only three, eight, eight tab tablets in in a, in a thing. <laughs> yeah, they last forever. They do. That'll last you a, a year. A year. <laughs> you can go back out on the boat next week. I don't week. want to take that thing again. I just don't. Don't take Dramamine. But maybe yeah, it's, it's better. It's good know. being on a boat. In, in, the, the, in the bay. In the bay, yeah. Where the water's smooth. Sim yeah. I don't get the sailing thing at all. Like, with the the noise. Yeah. And then the waves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I used to think, you know, it's weird. I went my first, uh, my first semester of college, I was a biology major because I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh. Because, you know, my family had... Had a boat when I was younger, so I spent a lot of time at the ocean. We had a cabin on Catalina mm -hmm. up until I was 14. And then, um, so I was skin diving and scuba diving and surfing. And I was like, it makes sense. I should be an, a marine biologist. I love the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then something just kind of switched. And I was just like, oh, I feel nauseous Gosh. when I'm on the sea. And I... I'm a ginger, so I get sunburned like crazy, and I don't like sand anymore. <laughs> oh no! To the beach, and there's sand in my shoes, and I'm like, ugh. Oh, uh, well, I took AP Biology, and I got a bad grade. Mm. I could never do. After the first semester, I had, was so bad that I I had to switch majors. I couldn't. I was like, I, I this isn't going to be. So what did you take? I got an degree in art painting oh yeah are you do you paint i have not painted since college <laughs> i did it to make my parents happy i was like i gotta stay in college and get a degree i don't know what to do i'm horrible at everything i never got a degree in anything i'm horrible at everything scholastic everything you know at least i was i was so preoccupied with you know outdoor stuff i liked camping i liked rock climbing and um that makes sense though yeah and i i liked performing i liked doing comedy and you know i did like community theater when i was like 18 and oh that's great and uh it just didn't make sense for me to be in college and looking back on it i shouldn't have gone but all my friends were there so i was like hey, i'm gonna go to college and <laughs> Be with my friends because I was afraid to be an adult after high school. You're like, all of a sudden the world has just gotten so much bigger when mm -hmm. you graduate high school and mm -hmm. it's terrifying. Uh, yeah, so. Um, so wait. So I, you, I wouldn't go back and do college. 
I've never been to college. You you did the whole thing where you stay in a dorm and stay in a dorm. What, and it, which school? It was called Loma Linda University. It's mainly a a, a medical school. Oh. Um. Oh, I see. That's why the marine biology and all. Yeah, they have a good biology department, and they had just a small art department. Hmm. And my friend was a photography major. He's like, dude, just be an art major, man. It's so easy. Because <laughs> it's all subjective, you know? You can just scribble some shit, and they'll be like, oh, very interesting. Can you explain this? And you just, <laughs> if you can fucking improvise an ex ex explanation, they're just like, all right, you get an A. Did you like, were, was there a particular time in art, like uh, a period, like, um, I don't know, like when do you have the impressionists like Renoir or I, I was they? never into any of that like class. I appreciated like Michelangelo and like the the, ta the absolute talent these people had, mm -hmm. but it wasn't for me. I you know I liked kind of the more modern you know like Basquiat and um, oh yeah that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um, or, or a lot of the abs. I, I I identified with abstract like stuff more because. I was like, I can do this because I just make a bunch of splatters. <laughs> on. I just make a line across like this. <laughs> yeah. And then another line and then I would sorry. do shit like that. I would just do. Do you know how much all that art costs? Like, Oh, yeah. It's a lot of money. You could still do that. Yeah. Well. Eh. Hmm. I, I also just, it takes, I like photography. I should have been a photography major is what I should have done. Yeah, you take pictures, you were saying. Yeah. You'll take my picture one day. Sure. How do you, what do you do it on? Your iPhone? I just have, no, I have this. Oh, cool. Like, oh, I have, wait. like if you see all my, my photos on Instagram, they, uh, they have, they have a hashtag A7R. That's what this camera is. It's oh, a Sony wow. A7R. Those are, that's a nice camera. It's great. I, I always had Canons. Like, I had a 7D. I had a 20D. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. um, I have a 20D. You do? Mm -hmm. That was my first Do you S still use digital that? SLR. No, I sold it. I actually gave it to my friend for his daughter. Oh, that's really she nice. She wanted to get into photography. But the, the, res um, the pixels on that are not that high. Right. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but it was a great camera. It I was, got it. Yeah. I was, it was the best at the time. I was a writer on Jimmy Kimmel's show, and I had like all this access to when bands would play and guests, and so I would just always. I was like, I need to get a camera so I can take photos of these people. Do you and, do you take? What do you like taking pictures of? Everything. I like doing portraits, but I like just landscape. I like driving around L.A. Hmm. at night. Taking yeah. photos. That's what I was thinking about doing. I was thinking about taking like photos of of Hollywood Boulevard and everything that kind of goes yeah. on in that city. Kind yeah. of. And I was thinking about doing it. I don't know, maybe black and white. I love black and white. Just yeah. A friend of mine, Michael Ty, is a photographer. This guy, he is really very very talented. Yeah. And he has taken pictures of New York in the seventies. Oh, my favorite. Like. <clears throat> like Andy Warhol and all these really famous people. Yeah. Since then, it's kind of a, a legend of that time. And yeah. all of his pictures are black and white. And I thought well, it would be interesting to see Hollywood as it is yeah. without kind of the embellishments of 
to make it pretty, but really the people yeah. that live there on yeah. the streets. It's not a pretty place. It's not, and it doesn't feel the good to walk that, down the, the place street. that all tourists go when they come to LA is Hollywood Boulevard, which is the most depressing, yeah, disgusting. Yep. It's just drug addicts and runaways and buskers and tourists, and it's filthy, it's and it's just, it's just people trying to make money, and it's you know souvenir stores. It's no represent. I mean, I guess it's kind of a representation of L.A., but it's there's so much more if you just look. I mean, the only thing that that's interesting is, I guess, the Chinese, the man's Chinese theater and all the stars on the grounds and everything yeah. else is just depressing. Like, it's, it's literally drug addicts and yeah. homeless and people. Runaways, and runaways, yeah. And tourists. Yeah. But I used to love run- walking down that street. By myself. Really? I, I've walked all over L.A. growing up. When did you move to L.A.? Um, I basically grew up here. I was four oh, okay. when I moved, but um, I've lived here since. And I would... I don't think many people walk in Los Angeles, and I love to walk. So yeah, I, I would walk everywhere. I would walk down Hollywood and go to all the way to Whole Foods on Fairfax and Santa Whoa. Monica. I, I love to walk, and so yeah. I walk down Hollywood and that I have, shittiness. I have a friend who also, he's a director, but he's also really into photography. And he and another friend, they invited me, but I, I couldn't do it for some reason. This was years ago. They walked from downtown L.A., down by Alvera Street, uh-huh. uh, the entire length of Sunset to the Ocean what? in an entire day, which is like 20 miles. They spent a whole day just walking with their cameras and just taking photos. That's that's so cool. So where are the pictures now? They have them. Oh, they've never posted they didn't online. Publish them or anything. They just did it for the fun of it. I, I saw it afterwards and I was like, God damn it! I wish I would have gone. I guess it's never too late. Yeah, we should do that. I would do it. Really? Yeah. Twenty miles. I would give it a shot. I've done that in Paris, where I'd leave the hotel I was in. And then walk from there to, I don't know, everywhere, no, no, all day for 14 hours or 12 hours or... 20 miles is a long way. I don't know if it's a full 20 miles, but like when I was in San Francisco in January for a comedy festival, I was there for like four days and I was walking about eight, eight to, you know, about eight, eight or nine miles a day. Because I, I would just walk to all the shows. Because the years before, I go every every January for this festival, and I would just... What's it called? It's called the, um, oh, Jesus, Sketch Fest. Hmm. And it's like a month-long festival. And uh, they just have drivers taking you everywhere from your hotel. And there would just be a few years where I'd be like, oh, I'm going to walk to my show. And it's, there's so many hills. And yeah. I'd, I'd get halfway, and I'd call a cab. And I was so out of shape. But I started... Uh, my girlfriend at the time earlier, well, I guess last December, she came out to L.A. and she's like, oh, my God, this weather's amazing. We got to walk everywhere. And so we started <laughs> walking everywhere. And I just kept walking even after she left to go back to Ohio. And I was just like I was walking to restaurants. I was walking to auditions. And yeah. I lost like 30 pounds. And then uh, I went to San Francisco. And I was like, I'm just going to walk everywhere. And I was amazed at how much easier was after a month of just already walking yeah 
and getting my heart healthier. Like I was not out of breath the entire time and I was able to easily walk like eight or nine miles a day out there. It was so fun. And I think it's also, it's like a relief. Like it's, you you kind of... Oh, it's mentally great. Yeah, yeah. it's so, I, that's what I love about walking. It kind of gives you solitude in that time you're with yourself and nobody else and kind of can take in the world. I mean, um, that's why I kind of love New York Mm because it just makes sense to walk everywhere. Oh, yeah. Everything's so close. And I guess San Francisco's the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't do it enough now. And I would take the buses everywhere, bus, the metro. Oh, wow. But now there is a train out to Santa Monica, so that's... There is? There is, yeah. That must be fairly new. No, it's been around since... May of last year. It's been a year. Oh, well, that's fairly new to me. Oh, yeah. It's I new. didn't know about it. Yeah. Where does it go in Santa Monica? Like down to the promenade? Yeah. So I think you take the train, the red the red to Wilshire. No. I think it's either down to Wilshire or to 7th and Metro and then take possibly the blue line all the way to Santa Monica. Um, or, or if it's on Wilshire, then you yeah. would take. No, but it's, I, I don't know. There's been construction on Wilshire for years now, and I think it's because of the subway. Yeah, I think then then it must be the one going to Santa Monica. Ugh. <laughs> I like taping, taking subways, though. You do? Yeah. But you've never taken it here. I have taken it here. Just, I didn't know it went to San, Santa, Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Saint Monica. Saint Monica. That's what Santa Monica means. All right? the streets are the same. Colorado, Broadway. Have you noticed that? Even out in down Santa in Santa Monica. Santa Monica, oh, yeah, Glendale. Yeah. They're the same names. Yeah, they run the same. The it's the same street. Yeah. I don't think it's different. It's not the same street. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like. Olympic Boulevard goes from downtown LA all the way. Yeah, to but Santa like Monica. Colorado Boulevard or Avenue, or, yeah, Colorado all the way to San Monica is the same. You think? I would imagine. I don't know. I could be wrong. Because, really? I'm no expert. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you do know something <laughs> here. <laughs> I've lived here since '95, but I don't. I don't know. That was before computers. I I would have to use the uh, the what, maps. What was it called? The the Thomas Brothers guy. Thomas Brothers. Everything was on a grid. We probably use our brains much more than we do now. I don't use my brain at all anymore. You just let your phone do everything. No, I do use my brain now. Yeah, I do too. I started meditating like a year What kind of meditation? Ago. It's Vedic meditation, which is... Oh. It's basically TM, Transcendental Meditation. Oh, I do that too. You do? Mm-hmm. Do you love it? I fucking love it. Yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years. Do you do it regularly? I do it at least once a day. You do? Try to. I mean, I haven't today, but... I try to do it. I try to do it twice a day. Sometimes I just... I feel the difference when I do it twice a day, I absolutely do. Yeah. I feel the difference when I do it once a day. I know. But there are times when I I just wake up in the morning, and this is why I should be doing it. I'll wake up and be like, I got to get somewhere, and I just don't do it, and then the whole day I'm frazzled. But if sometimes I'll wake up, you know, before my alarm, at like I'll wake up at seven, just wide awake. And I'll be like, I should go sit on the couch and meditate. And I do it and I feel amazing. Do you, did you study acting anywhere here? No, I took, I wanted to talk to you about this, but I took, 
When I was doing the Sarah Silverman show, I uh, I'm good, thanks. Okay. When I was doing Sarah's show, the last season we did a um, an episode, and I had to cry. Mm-hmm. And I was not a crier. I'd never been a crier. I was not from a very emotional family, like emotionally open. It was a good family. Like we loved each other, but no one ever said I What's love you. What's your heritage? Well, I'm adopted, but I, I believe oh. Scotch-Irish. Okay. But, uh, I mean, yeah, so it wasn't a very emotional upbringing. And so I, I didn't cry a lot. And then I was just, I had always had this fear since I became an actor of like, oh, what if I have to cry? What if what if I book a job where I have to cry and I can't cry? And then... Uh, it was the last season of the show, and my friend Rob, who wrote and directed this episode, he's, and it was like more of a dramatic episode than a comedic episode. It's where me and Brian, we build a baby robot, and uh, we're just in love with this robot, but it starts killing people because we pray to the devil to bring it to life. And so then the FBI comes, and they kill it. They shoot it, and it's really oh. sad. And there were like three scenes where we had to cry. And the first night, the very first night, the first scene we were shooting of of this where I had to cry, I couldn't do it. Hmm. I, I could I could get into a sad place, and I was very sad in the scene, and it showed, and the director at the end of the night was like, that's fine. He's like, he's like you did great. You acted great. It's fine. He's like, but tomorrow, I really need you to cry. I was just like... And that was just putting me more in a mental space of yeah. worry and not helping me. Yeah, because it's such a result-oriented yeah. approach. And it also didn't help that that first night, in between takes, like when they started doing coverage, I'd, I'd just be kind of sitting there, not talking to anyone. And I would just be sitting, you know, in my position there on set. I wouldn't go over to Video Village. I didn't want to fraternize with anybody. I wanted to just kind of sit and and just be alone and like the makeup people would come up and they'd be touching me up and they'd be joking around trying to joke around oh, with me yeah and i was just like i didn't have the heart to go could, could you fucking not joke with me right now and and uh so it, it, there were all these distractions yeah. i was so overwhelmed by all these distractions and then um, I, I told Rob, who's the director, after, at the end of the night, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, but it wasn't helping that people were coming up to me and being like, hey, you're looking a little dirty there. And I'm just like, it doesn't help me at all. Like everyone, because it's a comedy, everyone jokes around. Yeah. And so, and then I was like in my trailer and I, I heard him talking to the crew after, you know, we wrapped and he's like, Tomorrow, I don't want anyone talking to Steve. Like, and I'm going, oh my god, this seeming like such a diva. And and then, yeah, the next day, and, and he had sent, he had actually paid for me to go see an acting coach, uh, this guy Sam Christensen, hmm. um, who I loved. And Rob actually went with me for a session, and th- this guy was great because he's like, yeah, he's like, sometimes people don't cry. It's just like in real life. He's like, not everybody cries. He's like, and he even told Rob, he's like, you know, if he can't cry, he can't cry. But he's like, as long as he's real. And that put me at ease. But then, um, 
so it's the next day and we're it's the scene we're in we're in this tool shed where our little robot baby has gone out and basically sacrificed himself and they've killed it <laughs> and we have to fucking just sob and so we get there at seven in the morning it's the first scene of the day wow and like everyone is really quiet and not talking to me and I'm just oh. hyper aware of that and like my friend Brian w- had no problem he had a a wife and a new baby, so I'm sure he was able to draw on some pretty horrific oh. imagery to get himself sad. I had nothing. I had no girlfriend. I had no pets. I, <laughs> I was just like, oh, no. I was just with my headphones trying to listen to sad music, and and I'm just too in my head going, not sad enough. I'm not sad enough. I'm not, and I couldn't oh, no. stop. I had this weird yeah. cycle, and so finally. I was I, I was kind of in that space, and I I, I went over to uh, the makeup woman, and I, I go, "Do you have any of that stuff that you blow into your eyes to make you, your eyes water?" Mm-hmm. I go, "I think that's just what we're gonna have to do." She goes, "Sure." And so I tell Rob, "I go, I think I'm ready," and he goes, "Okay." And it's just dead silent. And it's dark, and. Uh, so she blows that shit in my eye. It's like uh-huh. fiberglass and and uh, oh, shit. and what is it, menthol and and so it, it really stings. And so my eyes are starting to water, which I'm like, okay, this will at least look <laughs> like something. And so we go in and we sit on the floor, and he goes, action, and I started sobbing. Oh, like I I explain it as I think. Once that shit started my eyes watering, my brain went, oh, you haven't done this in forever. You need to cry. This is what it's like. You need to do this. And it was just this weird sense memory of, like, this is what it's like to cry. And I started fucking sobbing and could not stop. I <sighs> Like, like hysterical crying like (gasps) (gasps) and so he they shoot the scene and we do it and he's like he's like okay we just need to we're gonna move in for coverage he's like that's so great he's like we're gonna move in for coverage do you want to go and i'm like no just just move the cameras and so we sat there and even while they're moving the cameras around i couldn't stop couldn't stop and so they move the cameras to my coverage we shoot I'm still sobbing. They shoot Brian's coverage. I am still sobbing. We shoot it all out in like 20 or 30 minutes. And he's like, all right, moving on. He's like, that was awesome. Moving on. And then we're supposed to go shoot the scene where we're not crying. And like, oh, no. And I could not stop. stop. Like, I get up and I am hysterical. That you're making me want to cry right now. I am hysterical. I'm just like, I don't. And I have no reference in my mind as to why I'm doing it. But it also felt amazing. And there was something inside of me that was like, didn't want it to stop. Mm -hmm. I was like, it was like this weird purging. Relief, yeah. Of like demons like coming out. And like, I needed to let it keep going. And like, I like just went and I stood in the corner. And it was like half an hour to 45 minutes of unable to stop sobbing. And like... I walked past Video Village and Erin O'Malley, who's the EP at New Girl. I walked past and I, out of the corner of my eye, and she's sitting there sobbing. Oh, like, wow. And uh, I still, to this day, cannot, I cannot figure out what it was other than it was probably a sense memory, like, oh, fucking crying feels good. This is, yeah. you needed to do this. And 
since then, I have no problem crying. crying. Like, I cry watching every fucking TV show, every movie, <laughs> whenever there's anything remotely sad, my eyes are just fully hmm. watering up because part of me is just like, oh my God, it feels so good to feel yeah. an emotion. Like, yeah. And um, I haven't had to cry on camera since then, but there, were, there was also a scene where we were doing... Or Sarah, and I, it's so funny describing the scenes because they sound so funny, but we did a scene where I, I close a window and I slam it shut on my tits. <laughs> and so I have to have surgery on my tits and they remove <laughs> all this breast fat. And so we go with this giant jar of my breast fat to the top of a mountain to bury it. And it's me and Brian and Sarah's sister, Laura and Jay. We have this ceremony where we bury it, and then, um, and then Sarah shows up, and she's been absent the whole episode, and like she kind of gave us up as friends, and so everyone walks away, and it's just me and Sarah standing there talking, and it's this moment where I'm like, I was in the hospital, and you didn't come. I, I could cry talking about. It. I was like, I was in the hospital, and you didn't come visit me, and for some reason in that moment, I was actually just talking to my friend who didn't visit me in the hospital. And I started, like, my oh. eyes started watering, and I immediately, like, just kind of snapped out of it. But I, like, looking back, I'm like, I should have just let it go. But it, it's it's kind of perfect when you try to stop your tears from yeah. coming, because that's what people would do. Yeah. Rather than, because actors like to cry and show that they're emotional and, like, yeah. these tears are coming. But human people <laughs> yeah. don't. Like, people don't. One is you hide your face most of the time if you don't uh, feel weak. Yeah, yeah, you don't want people to see that. So maybe that moment was so true. Is it easy for you? Um, you know, it's funny. Laura Silverman was in a class I've been in for a long time with a teacher named Tony Greco. Uh huh. And um, I guess crying has always been easy for me. It's always been easy for me. Um. My mom is very emotional. My dad, I've only seen him cry once, but my mom is someone that's very free with her emotions. It could be anger or happiness or sadness yeah. or yeah. any any emotion that's out there. And so I kind of saw that. And through acting, I was able to do what you did, which is find relief yeah. in crying or screaming. Or yeah. I don't do that so much in my own life, but I do it through my characters. It feels so good. It does. <laughs> and the fact that you cry all the time when you would watch shows and things like that, that just means that you let yourself get affected by things, I think. If you if you if Oh yeah, once you're I empathetic. Yeah, yeah, once I started crying, I was like this that felt so fucking good. Yeah. I'm like why wouldn't I just let myself do it if I felt the need to? Yeah. And so do you whenever you Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um but do you, do you, this is what I always want to know with actors, especially like legitimate actors like yourself. I only have oh. friends in comedy well, that come on. This podcast is always like my comedian friends or my musician friends. So like I very rarely get to talk to like people from drama. Um, but I always <laughs> want to know when you have a scene, when you have to cry, are you thinking of a specific instance or a specific moment or 
to get you there. Hmm. Well, um, I mean, you know what you had to go through? That was a demand. That was like a, this needs to happen here in this moment, which I think we all have to deal with at some point in a role. But a lot of the time, whenever I approach a character, I think about the relationship with that character as if it's a real person. I don't... I start to... um, I don't know. It's like everything, everything affects the roles that I do. So it could be the dreams that I've had from the night before to something I read and then randomly maybe even the way this wall looks might change the way that I think about the character. Everything kind of is a part of it instead of it just being like this is a decision. It's it's kind of more finding out what that is, yeah. which is not... Well, I found that the fir- that first night when I couldn't cry, I was trying in my head... While I'm trying to say the words I need to say, mm-hmm. at the same time trying to think of something shitty, right? Like, yeah. Oh, what if my parents died? And then I'm saying these, and it's take thinking of that is also taking me out of the scene. Yes, because I'm trying to juggle all this shit in my head, where I really want to just be real in the scene and say these lines and have the emotions come out naturally. As opposed to having to fish for them. So when you did it the first time, right? When you were, when you, they spray that menthol in your eyes and then you were sobbing. Yeah. You weren't thinking, were you thinking about your dad? And No. No, it just happened, right? I was up until that point. But like when I showed up in the morning, I was listening to sad songs and going, oh my God, my parents are going, <laughs> this is so hor- horrible, but I'm like, my parents are going to die someday. Fucking everyone I know is going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Try- and it was making me sad, but it wasn't making me crying. Right. And so I had this woman put the shit in my eyes and we go to sit down and something like when he said action, all those thoughts left my head and it I, it was just feel I was just overwhelmed with feelings and not thoughts. Of, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. It's, but when you have to do it like over and over again, that's when I understand what you did. You're you're actually doing a technique, a very specific technique. Yeah. Like in that class, we would do um, a thing called a personal object, which is something, it tends to be something seven or more years ago from your life that uh, some someone that, that has an emotional impact. So it could be something your father gave you, or it could be a moment with your father. I don't know. That's more of an effective memory. But you use that in order to kind of hit the thing, hit the note of, okay, it needs this person needs to cry here, so I have to use this object to... And but this is a very literal way. Are you thinking about that in between takes? Like when they, they go cut and they're moving the cameras that, around? That tends to be a very kind of superficial way of using the technique. It's not so uh, intimate, meaning it's not so invested in really discovering something. It's more like... Okay, this is what I need to do, and that's what I'm going to do. Right. So that's just like, it's like a, it's like kind of the most boring way of doing the technique, but it's a necessary thing. If you have to do it, and you have five minutes and one take, you got to do it. Right. Um, but like what you experienced that first time is actually very intimate because regardless of what you were thinking prior to. In that moment, everyone was probably waiting for you to be the most vulnerable, and you were. 
you yeah, yeah. were kind of like something happened and that is what's exciting about yeah. acting it's like oh it was it was like I loved it because it surprised you too oh yeah it wasn't <laughs> like you were expecting something else and what happened with you surprised you and that that's what you search for is those moments where you no longer have control over what you feel or there is always a little bit of control obviously but sure. Yeah, so that that's kind of spectacular, like that stuff that that's that like, happens. I, I, yeah, I'm all, now I'm always like, oh, I tell my agents, I'm like, find something that's <laughs> that's got some drama in it. I, I love comedy is easy for me, and I love doing it, and it's it's yeah, one of the things I it. I don't have to think about, but like. I still, you know, when there's, you know, I just shot something in Palm Springs like a couple months ago, and. Which was mainly a comedy, but there was one scene where I had to be vulnerable and serious with another actor in this room, and that was the one thing that I worried about. The whole two weeks we were shooting, like, leading up to it, like, at night, I would just be sitting in my hotel going, oh, my God, I got (laughs) to act like a real person instead of a fucking idiot, you know? (laughs) And it was fine, but a lot of times I I catch myself. I find... You know what's crazy? I find comedies to be harder. Really? Yeah. Like I, I in theory cuz if you're not look it's so it's so obvious if it's not funny, no one's going to laugh. Like right. it doesn't work. You know it right. right away. Right. But with drama it's I, I find easier because I don't with anything dramatic even if it's in a comedy when anything comes cuz usually a new girl it's like a scene is happening like someone's talking very serious and then the camera pans and you see that they're actually having a serious conversation with this homeless crazy guy and then i say something really stupid and that's the scene i don't have that's to that's so funny i don't have to think about it. i just say a dumb fucking line and it's great it's an easy gig but anytime there's a moment where i just have to have a serious <laughs> conversation about a serious subject in my head, I'm saying the words like we're talking now, but in my head going, this isn't real. You're <laughs> fucking lying right now. And I'm like, I hope nobody can tell that because it's really trying to, you know, have a believable lie is. Yeah, just to have a conversation with somebody. And I feel like a lot of times I feel so phony when I'm acting. I'm like, ugh. me too. You're just turning it on and. You're an idiot. You're just turning it on. I I I can't uh, act well usually if it has to do with seeming naturalistic, mm-hmm. or I, I it doesn't come easy to me. Like I have to do a lot of work, so whatever I'm saying seems real. Yeah. Are you good at memorizing lines? Yeah. Now I am. Mm-hmm. Are I'm you? okay. I'm okay. I, it's obviously it's easier to memorize lines that are written naturally. Like you know when when you get a script and the dialogue is so conversational that like <laughs> whatever your scene partner says automatically leads to what you would say next. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is easy to remember because what you say totally sets up what I have to say, and it makes sense, and I can remember this. But sometimes people write dialogue in a way that's not natural yeah and then i have a hard time memorizing in my head i'm like this doesn't make fucking sense yeah it's usually bad writing right yeah yeah but i i 
You know what I'm I'm really interested in like how you have we gone over Mm-mm. We're how good. you're you're you do stand up comedy as well uh-huh. and you are very you know how to deliver a line that's funny. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, but you do and that's a skill. Like I I don't know if I know how to do that. It's just practice. I I I think I'm the funniest when I don't try to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's just like natural things happen to me and yeah. and then maybe it's comedic, but I can't I I every time I try to be funny it's not funny <laughs> ever. So that's like I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you can consciously Well, that comes that. from a whole childhood of trying to get attention from a father who is constantly working and not there all the time, so trying to wow, okay, seek approval and make people laugh and just uncomfortable situations, you know. Try to lighten it up. Um, yes, it's constantly seeking approval. So mm. it's it's decades of practice of practice, and then you know when you finally do stand up, you're like, oh, this is what I've been doing my whole life with. Trying to seek approval and make people laugh at parties and but how, but and you write your own material. Yeah, but most of my stand-up isn't like joke joke stuff. It's like storytelling. It's like all based on real stuff, mm. which is easiest for me. I, I don't I don't like writing a joke in a punchline. I once saw Nick Kroll. Huh. This we did a movie together. Yeah. A few of us and he he was doing his new sketches or new things. Whatever they're called, for Kroll show. No, just like stand up. He okay. was just doing stand up, oh, okay. and he wanted to try him out. And I was just kind of amazed that that's what people comedians do. They write stuff, and then they were like, "Well, let's see how this goes. We'll yeah. see it right away." That's the worst part is trying it out for yeah. the first time and yeah. being, "Oh, that's not funny at all." That's. The- <laughs> and then I saw him do it again. Some of the stuff he capped, and the other, the yeah. other stuff he didn't. Yeah. So it's. That's why I'm fascinated. I couldn't. I guess I I could relate to storytelling. I don't know if yeah. I can do the bits. People, it's easier because the stories are real, and it's for me at least because I find it's more relatable to an audience when I tell a story about shitting my pants or something, and everyone's oh, like, no. "Oh, I've done that." <laughs> about shitting my pants on my birthday. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, my 39th birthday, I shit my pants. I, I spent my whole birthday alone. I think it was my yeah, it was my 39th birthday. And I I don't like like the older I get, I don't like advertising that I'm getting older. I don't like celebrating it. It's I know. You know, it's um, my birthday tomorrow. Are you kidding? No. Happy birthday. Well, thanks. Oh my god, that's amazing. Are you excited or no. indifferent? Sad? Bummed? Melancholy? I don't I, I don't know. I, I don't feel... You're just not affected by no, it. No, I, no, I'm kind of like... I don't have any plans. I haven't planned anything, so... Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's you got to have a huge party. <laughs> I should have a huge party and then shit yeah. my pants. Well, I decided I woke up on the day of my birthday. I was like, I'm not telling anybody about this. I don't want to talk to anybody. So I just kind of hung out for the day, and I went, and I got coffee. I went and got... There's this restaurant nearby called Chili John's, which is the oldest restaurant in Burbank. Oh. They only serve chili. It's one of my favorite restaurants. Oh, no. And so I had chili, and then I went and got coffee again. Oh, no. 
So I go home and I'm like watching TV, <laughs> watching movies. And it got to be nighttime. I'm like, I should do something. I should get out. I'm going to go down. And I lived up in, or I still do in Beachwood Canyon. I'm like, I'm going to go down to UCB, see what, yeah. what show's going on. And as I'm standing up to leave my apartment, I shit my pants. <laughs> and I realized how ridiculous it was. And I started, I was just laughing. I was like, oh, of course. And I didn't go out. I was like, that's how, I, that was my birthday. I, you didn't go out. So you shot, okay. I shot my pants, <laughs> laughed my ass off, and then uh, cleaned myself up and... Then like, you I'm gonna were call like, it a day. You didn't. You didn't continue to shit all night. It was just no, no. Yeah, I think it was you know too much coffee and chili. And, chili. and then uh, yeah, it was my 39th. There are certain birthdays that are just not monumental. Like my 40th, I had. A, I did a show for my birthday. I did a show oh. at Largo with you know some of my favorite comedians, my friends. You know, Sarah oh, cool. did it, and um, that was fun. But then, the, you know, there's like 41. It's like, well, yeah, I'm 41. What's that? What's, what's that? But, yeah, and now the closer I'm getting to 50, I'm like, oh, fuck, it's really happening. You can't stop it. No, unless you die. Yeah, which could happen now that I'm 48. No, it can't. Oh, sure it can. No, I mean, it doesn't have to. It doesn't. No, it doesn't have, have to, to, but it's more likely. To happen now at 48 than 38. <laughs> <sighs> I know, you're right. Oh, my God. I have some Westworld questions. Yes. Okay. I rewatched it. When, when? When you've agreed to do the podcast, I was like, I'm going to rewatch Westworld again. You did? Absolutely. I love the show, by the way. Wow. I'm, uh, Thanks. I mean, I love sci-fi. Did you ever see the first, the original Westworld, the movie? Yes. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not... a great premise, and it was Michael Crichton. Yeah, I know. Directed it too. Um, but what I like about the series is that it's in the movie. It was, and it was also the '70s. So visual I mean, was... visual, visual effects were yeah. shitty, so it doesn't hold up watching it. Um, but also, the robots were played more like robots, right? Like they're dressed as humans, but you can they're acting like. Robots. robots, yeah. What I loved about what the the HBO show is, you really can't tell the difference other than you show up and you're you, so you know they're not real hosts. Um, but also the the storyline is they're not um, shorting out or become they're becoming self aware. You know they're having these things placed in their memory that you know by. Bernard or whoever, you know, they're becoming self-aware. And it's, uh-huh. that, to me, is way more amazing and compelling to see these robots who are having existential crisis. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I, the series is, is, is shot so well. and um, But one of the first things I saw, thought when rewatching it was there's a scene where you're in, like, the diagnostics center with... Shannon. Yeah, that was the first day of our shoot. Was it? The first day we shot the pilot. So you were with Shannon. And is Jeffrey Wright in that scene, too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've known Shannon for years. She's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, But so you were... I'm trying to think of how to word word this. 
you seem most like a robot when you're in the diagnostic center, obviously, because you're mm-hmm. you're not act, you're not doing your storyline up in in the in the park or whatever. So that you're sitting sweet there. Sweetwater. Sweetwater. Do they tell you not to blink when you're sitting in there? Well, I. Because that was the figured. one thing I was like, I, I started watching and I'm like, nobody's blinking. I guess they wouldn't if they're a robot. Would, we were we would play games. We would play games to not blink, like literally try to keep my eyes open. But my problem was because I would keep my eyes open for so long, tears would go down my face. Obviously. And Jonah was like, "Don't worry about not blinking." Jonah, who's the creator of the show, yeah, just uh, you know they can always just pause that part of your eyes. They're able to do that. Oh my god! But for that particular scene i tried not to blink at all and <laughs> the result was tears kind of because i've had scenes where i've had to play dead where i've you know in yeah. like a horror movie or something yeah. when i'm dead and they're like try not to blink and as soon as they say don't blink you're always like, like I, yeah you become self-conscious yeah. yeah i can't not blink but then also it's it's really super hard not to blink for more than like 30 seconds. What I what I got to do in that particular scene is that I always believed with Clementine she's a dreamer. Cuz she she had that quality where she could fall in love with the guests. Right. She wasn't just a prostitute that was bitter and drugged up. Like she the gratification in this relationship was that she also fell in love with you. Right. So I was thinking when she's in that chair she's dreaming. Right. She's not just on pause. Like that's why the hand movements and all of that are very yeah. sensual these yeah. reveries. So um I was thinking that that there's something active I could still do sitting on the chair rather than just kind of being blank and kind of meditating. It was I was dreaming about someone. Right. In that moment specifically. It's so believable like Oh. <laughs> cool. Like you're like yeah, these, this is what a you know a life like robot would be like. Yeah, it's directed so. Does uh, is it Jonathan Nolan? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jonathan S- L- Nolan, and it's the first time I went to test for the for the show. I didn't really know who the creators of the show were. I kind of do that on purpose because I you don't want to psych want, yourself out. Yeah, and I didn't know, but Lisa Jonah's wife was like, well, you know. You know, Jonah, you know the Nolan brothers. I was like, the Nolan brothers? Like Christopher Nolan? Like Christopher Nolan and Jonathan. And that's this is after my test. And I had met Jonah for a callback, but I didn't know who he was. Because I I really... Wait, Jonah, is Jonah another of the Nolan brothers? No, he's Jonathan Nolan, but they call him Jonah. Oh, okay. Yeah, people call him that. His, his friends. His friends. <laughs> Must be nice. But most people do. He goes by Jonah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I didn't know who he was, but I could just tell. You know when you work with directors, or both Lisa and Jonathan are very um, sensitive people. Uh-huh. So because they're, there's a kindness to them, they give you permission to, like, be vulnerable. Right. If there is a lot of judging and kind of cynicism on set, yeah. or depending on who the director is, you d- you don't feel like you're in a safe environment to kind right. of live, you know, see what happens. And they they're so 
Did you audition on on tape first with a, a I auditioned director? on my birthday three years ago. Three years ago tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's got to be a good sign, I guess. I mean, it, yeah. it's a good birthday present getting that gig. Yeah. Was it on tape? Yeah, it was with uh, John Papsidera at his office on tape. And then two weeks later, they gave me a call back with Jonah. And... Um, and that was that was cool because I just kind of looked at it as an opportunity to act and yeah and then 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 there was the test um, on Melody Ranch where we shoot is that the one with the church no that's out that's in, at the Paramount Ranch yeah this is in Santa Clarita I've been on two separate I've done stuff on two separate locations where you guys shot I did. The Paramount Ranch, where the church was. Yeah. I did a sketch show, a Kevin Hart sketch show. Oh, there on the church? Yeah, the church? I played the devil in a sketch. <laughs> like at the, the, the what is it? The, um, the, 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 the guitar player who meets the devil at the crossroads and sells his soul to the devil. I played the devil in that sketch. And then um, there was another one, I haven't which seen I can't it. remember. Yeah, I, I don't think it's been out at all. I only did oh. this, like, towards the end of last year. Oh, so it's going to come out. I don't know. We'll see. Well, we shot there, and then I did a photo shoot on the other place. The one... Uh, where they shot uh, Wipeout. Remember the oh. the obstacle course game show, TV show? I haven't seen it. But it's this... It's, uh, I don't think you would have shot anything on that location. It's kind of out off the 14 freeway. Um, oh. Um, it's a lot of wo- oak trees and wooded areas, and there's like a li- okay. lake there. No, I haven't. I haven't shot there. I think they did the big scene with the, uh, like the Calvary where they had this big shootout. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that stuff is further north of where we were. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, uh, yeah. I love I love locations like that. I love yeah. going, just seeing all these kind of that whole life. And I was watching, what was it? Um, I was watching a western a few weeks ago, and it was shot right in the saloon, and on the set where we shoot Westworld. It was, oh my goodness, I can't remember now. An old Western? An old Western, like from the 70s. Holy shit. It was the exact saloon, only it didn't look as beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah, and the whole, I could tell from the angles and everything that they used, this is where all that history is. Like That's pretty amazing. You were also in two, I think, two of my favorite scenes in the show. Oh. One, where you're in the diagnostic center and you beat the living shit out of a guy. <laughs> That That's was, one of your favorite scenes. I love that scene. Oh, thanks. Because it's so unexpected. You know, like it's a scene where this guy, who is also a robot, right? The, yeah, but I, I, I'm supposed to process him as if he's human or something. And he first beats the shit out of you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's so hard to watch. You're like kind of pleading with these people on the other side of the and glass to help you. And they're all just standing there watching. Yeah. And then they freeze it. And they go back and do it again, and you fucking annihilate this dude. <laughs> I love doing that. It was so fun. 
Like, oh, <laughs> so jealous. It was so fun. I've never gotten to do scenes where I, you know, fight scenes like that, and I'm always jealous of that kind of stuff. It's such a, it's such a rush. Like you get an adrenaline rush, and it's like dancing. It's kind of like yeah, it's choreographed. It's right? choreographed, and you get to like be violent and. Like there's a whole. It's like when you were crying and that relief happened. Yeah. It's the same thing, yeah. only like with your whole body. It's like and it's release. also great to see a character, like a female character who's kind of a victim in a lot of cases. Like, yeah. Just go batshit and like do something like that. Yeah, that was the best part. And I, I actually wrote because I I was in Spain working on a film, and then I got a call that Jonah needed to talk to me. And I didn't, because we don't know from episode to episode what's going to happen. Right. So he called and he's like, um, so this is what happens, to, you know, you won't, this is what's going to happen with your character. And I was like, oh my God, did I, have I been acting badly? Is that, is that, well, I don't know. He's like, no, this is where the story's going. We, this needs mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. And then I read it because I hadn't read it. I, I just had the phone call and I wrote, I wrote him saying, thank you. Because I really loved, so good. loved what they'd given my character, which was kind of vengeance and strength. And uh, she wasn't just a reactionary character, like always kind of hovering and scared. Yeah, she was. She was kind of taking control. Yeah, and I love doing that. The other, the other scene is you're more a fly on the wall, but you, you're down in the. Like the alternate diagnos- like the old original diagnostic center. You've got a oh, gun yeah. on it, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And uh, it's that scene where it's kind of revealed who Bernard Jeffrey Wright's character is, is. his past. Yeah. It's sort of like a really long, like intense scene, and it's yeah. amazing. And <laughs> you're just standing there. I know the holding whole time. a gun. There was one oh, take good... when they switched the camera and we shot all day, and my hand was literally going down because of how happy. Oh, that's yeah, it's hard on your shoulders. <laughs> I just got to witness those people act. It was an amazing. It was yeah. amazing seeing the skill and kind of confidence in what they were doing. And it's a mind blowing scene too. Like so much is revealed. So much is revealed. like you already know. I think the episode before that's where you. Find out he's a robot. Yeah, when he kills Cisa's character. Ugh. Like another when, rough one. Shit. I hate seeing women get beat up and and no process like. Oh yeah, there. just like a serial killer, just like cold. That's no really emotion. frightening. Yeah. And then. Uh, Thank you. That means a lot that you liked. Those yeah. Scenes. I mean the whole. I mean the, the second one I wasn't doing anything, but I was just kind of standing there. Being witness to yeah, great acting. Uh, the whole show though is great. I'm so glad everybody. It's back. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing too. cast. I know it's a dream working with with these actors. Like uh, working with Anthony Hopkins was. Uh, he's so kind. You know how he walks in through um, where all the dead robots are. Where uh-huh. all, Everybody's naked. All the extras were naked. And it was kind of crazy seeing everybody naked because I'd never seen so many people naked. So every single one of those people is an actual person. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. They were all people. Wow. He was very kind at the end. He went and hugged all of them when we were done with the the scene. It was the final day to shoot that scene. He hugged everyone saying thank you. Because you're so vulnerable being there kind of just look at me. 
on is, all an- angles. It's terrifying. It is. <laughs> but you realize that we're not that, f- that different from each other. No. We're all basically the same, ultimately. Yeah. Like, different shapes, sizes, but we have the same parts. And yeah. It's not it's not so shameful to be naked. There's nothing no. wrong with the human body. It's it's kind of beautiful. Oh mine isn't, but it's Yes it is. <laughs> Trust me. No, um I'm trying to think if there's anything We should else. do this podcast naked. Ugh. Ugh. No, trust no, me. No, I know, I don't want to do that. Um <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. He's listening. Look at, yeah, look he at look, He'd have the worst like, view of all. He's like, no, don't do it. All right. Here all we right. Go. Here. Let's um, take this off. Uh, do you have anything you want? Anything coming out that you want to plug? Anything coming up? Mm-mm. No movies. What's the movie you were just in with Oscar Isaac? The Promise. Oh yeah, The Promise. Yeah, that that movie is about the Armenian genocide. I want to see that. Yeah. That must have been intense because you are Armenian. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was what I was shooting in Spain when Jonah okay. called me. That's exactly the perfect example of what you're talking about on shooting shooting on location. We were shooting in Spain, in Madrid. Oh, uh, have you ever been so before? So beautiful. No, and it's kind of the perfect way to visit because yeah. it's this kind of intense. What's happening with your cheek? I'm getting over a sinus infection. Oh, no. So I have sinus pressure pain. I have sinus problems and polyps. I do too, and I I try my best to not use pain, antibiotics. I oh. don't want to use them. Yeah, don't. Use I them. think I have to break down. This has been weeks and weeks and weeks. So what you use the antibiotics? It's really weird. Yourself. You know, it's really weird. It's because we'll get back to Spain in a second. Yeah. I had an abscess tooth, and so I had to have a root canal. Uh huh. The infected tooth that they had fixed led to a sinus infection because they're right up against each other. Like I went and saw an ENT and she's like, by any chance have you just had dental work done? And so that's what also led to my eye infection because the sinus is is up against your eye. So it was this weird, like, it was like a really long period of like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Everything is linked together in your head. And um, I think root canals are terrible for you. Yeah, they're and they're no fun either. No. Um but I had to have it. It was I was at the end of my rope and um But isn't are there are, are, isn't there something called Do they clean it out? Yeah. They, like is that what That's happened? the root. They they bore out the root of your tooth where the infection is and then they fill it with this like But the 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 issue is they still leave something in there. They don't cuz there's a thing called an implant. Mhm. Where they take the whole thing out. Right. And I think there is, with root canals, there's a little something that stays there, which creates that kind of infection. That, Could be. That happened. I saw this nutritionist. That's why I don't eat gluten. Oh, yeah. And um, she was saying that root canals are really bad for your health because they're connected to different parts of your body. Your teeth yeah. are all connected to different yeah. organs yeah. and things. And yeah. So when you get root canals, it's it's prone to infection. Yeah, it's not been good. No. Um, but I guess that's why implants are better. All right, sorry, I should have not brought that up. No, but that, yeah, that's why I was... It's really weird because I don't feel sick. I don't have a fever. 
I go to bed feeling great, wake up feeling great, but there's usually about an hour during the day, like right around now, where I'll feel just really bad sinus pressure Hmm. for just like an hour, and then I'm fine the rest of the time. So Spain. (laughs) Wait, but I, I don't have a sense of smell. What? Yeah. At all. For the most part, I can't. I can't smell anything. Like food, like <laughs> on Thanksgiving when you perfume, go. Perfume, can't smell it. I can't pick perfume or candles, anything like that, because I can't smell. I mean, it comes back for like five minutes a day. How do you randomly. know? Like when food's gone bad. <laughs> I just tend to throw things out very quickly. <laughs> I have a friend, Mike Furman, who also has no sense of smell. Really? Yeah. So does Jason Sudeikis. He doesn't have yeah. a sense of smell. Yeah, I went to. Uh, my friend, a birthday party for my friend, and he, they'd gotten all this barbecue, and I walked into his house. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, it smells so good, right? Like, you must be it? going crazy. He's like, I don't know. I was like, Fuck. Why? Why Why can't he smell? I don't know. It's been f- since birth with him. Though. Oh, okay. You? No, it's not birth. It's been the last, I guess, 10 years. What? Yeah, and it, I went to the doctor, and I have polyps up here, and apparently she thinks that it's the passageway between my ability to smell and my brain. The polyps block the ability to smell or something like that. Are you going to have surgery? No. (laughs) I don't believe it. I don't think it's the polyps. I think maybe it's zinc or, I don't know, it might be something else. So it's great. Like, if your boyfriend doesn't put on deodorant, you're, like, not going to know about it. No, I'm not. That's great. (laughs) Uh, I need to find a girlfriend who doesn't have a sense of smell. We should go out. (laughs) Yeah. I do sometimes snore because of my sinus issues. Not a lot, but especially when I, like, allergy seasons. Yeah, like now. But my girlfriend has, or my ex-girlfriend has a French bulldog. Oh. Which snores like crazy like really loud and that was kind of a godsend because like the first night i spent the night at her her place i woke up the next morning i'm like i'm so embarrassed did i snore and she's like i wouldn't know she goes my dog snores so much i've tuned it out i was like this is perfect we're the perfect couple apparently Um. not (laughs) (laughs) but spain you went to spain for the promise why didn't they shoot it in armenia um, because it's in 1915, and what they would have to shoot no longer exists oh. because of um, the fact that the Turks at the time destroyed those villages. Right. But in Spain, they have these villages that look so much like what Armenia used to be, and they were so beautiful. There was a place called Albaracin. 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 What does that mean? I don't know, but it was really, like... It, it felt like you were in... The old country. No. It felt like you were at Universal. <laughs> oh, wow. And the there back were lot. the back lot, but like in the European part, and you could walk yeah. through these really narrow streets and go up and down. And but it was all real. It was all real, and people lived there, like a thousand people lived there. Was it emotional shooting that? Mm, because of the subject matter? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was It was emotional, and it was. it was one... It was kind of... It was special for me because I got to get mm, wear these traditional clothes and do things that have been a part of what I've kind of grown up seeing that has not changed. There was an actual priest, Armenian priest, who married Oscar and I. 
Like a real wedding? Like a real wedding in Armenian. So officially. We're married in the eyes of God. <laughs> I is love what Oscar he said. Isaac. Yeah, he's he's great. He's so talented. and Inside Lewin Davis is like. I know. Oh, he's so good. so good in that movie. Yeah. And I love that song, the one song in that. And he's the kind of actor that makes sure that, you know, if you're working with another actor that you feel. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And that we, you know, because it was such a big big set it was such a big film the the crew i'd never seen anything so big even in westworld it wasn't yeah. that huge um that he made sure that we should feel like we're the m- most important elements because mm-hmm. you could get overwhelmed with everything else that's right. going on and they followed because everybody that was involved from the crew cameras dp everyone was so respectful and it was just cool. it was awesome, yeah, working with those people. And and it was multinational. There were the Italians, French, Ugh. Spanish, and everybody spoke English. Somebody. I was supposed to go do a movie about a year, um, almost two years ago in uh, Bogota, Colombia. Oh. I had to pull out like two days before. Why? My dad was dying. Oh, and I man, literally had to. It's okay. I, uh, yeah, that was rough. That was one of those. Oh my god! Would have been a really great. It's uh, this movie called The Belco Experiment, which is a horror movie, which is really good. That James Gunn directed and produced, and um, hmm. he's like, "I wrote this part for you. It'll be great." And I was like, "Oh, I get to go to another country, and this will be really wow. fun." And then my dad was already sick, but. I think, yeah, it was like two days before my flight down to Columbia. Like two days before shooting, uh, I woke up in the morning. I had a message from my mom. Your dad's in intensive care. And so I was just like, oh, my God, I have to call these people because there's no way I'm going down there now. Like my dad's not. I can't go down to another country. And so I called him. and I was like, you're going to hate me, but I can't go down to South America now. When did this happen? This was like June of 2015. This was like two years ago. Oh. And uh, I mean, I'm I was sorry. crying. I was on the, I was like, couldn't apologize to him enough. I'm like, I'm so fucking sorry. I haven't, but there, I'll, I won't be able to live my, with myself if I'm in another country and my dad dies. And so he's like, he was so cool about it. He's like, dude, don't, worry about it. He's like, I'd be disappointed actually if you still decided to go to South America. Right. And so, uh, yeah, and I have no regrets. The movie would have been awesome. The movie is awesome. It would have been a great experience, but hmm. nothing compared to like the two months I was able to spend with my dad before he passed away. Right. Yeah, that's... Ugh. Oh. <laughs> it's I, so fucking horrible. I know. Getting older and the, it was a whole experience, you know, like I'd never lost anyone close to me before. Like I've lost grandparents, but I didn't know them that well. Hmm. Like I was really young when I lost my grandparents. and Yeah, it's nothing like. It was all in that a span of like a year, you know, my dad passing away and also a good friend of mine ODing. Oh, shit. Um, so it was a really a, a year of like horrible experiences, but like. Being able to watch this happen with your, like, I'm thankful I got those 
months with my dad, hmm. even though for him it was horrific because he was suffering. But for the family, it was great because we could say goodbye to him and spend time with him. Yeah. And then it was also just this eye-opening experience of, you know, the cycle of human life. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I lost my dad years ago. He was really young. Um, but last year I lost my grandmother and it was a similar kind of situation where I was actually with her every day in the ICU for like months, yeah, like from, it was to the point where she couldn't live at home yeah. where she, and they couldn't manage her at a nursing home either. Cause she had a complicated situation. Same with my dad. Yeah. It was, she didn't have cancer, but her, her organs were just out of control. Mm -hmm. And, um, when I was in the ICU the last few months, I just realized that you think that you're doing something good by fighting for their life, but actually it's hurting them. And I had not seen such cruelty in that way in my life where people technically, doctors and nurses and things like that, are supposed to help, you know, help this person. They're just making their money. It's the cruelest way I could say it, but I was there 24 hours every day, and I was thinking, they know she's dying, and they're not telling me. And in the end, this nurse told me that was someone I hadn't met. I was there the night before, and then that morning, I get a call, and they're like, you guys have to make a decision. And I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean we have to make a decision? She's like, your grandmother is not well. And I was talking to the doctor and the doctor said, well, her numbers are looking good. And you know, it's it's very complicated. It's so complicated death. Um, because the doctor thinks she's doing better than she was. So I'm, you know, trusting the doctor, but she was suffering. Like she had things in her neck and her, she had a feeding tube and she had this thing to help her lungs and she couldn't breathe and she was pulling this out. They even tried to tie her hands. I was gonna, sh I was gonna choke those nurses for tying her hands. Mm -hmm. I said, next time you do that, I'm suing you. You do not do that to her. Mm -hmm. Like it's the cruelty that I saw. I'm having nightmares till this day. She died August of last year, and I, I have these. Like, I can't. And it's like that scene yeah. in Westworld where I'm asking for help and people are just kind of looking. Yeah. It was so, yeah, I saw it. I saw, I, I feel like I was one of the few people in the family that saw it coming like way before it happened. Like, yeah. I, I saw the denial of mm -hmm. everybody, mm -hmm. like, hospital staff, but also my family just like, oh, your dad's doing better today. And in my head, I'm like, he's 85. You don't bounce back from something as sick as he is right now he's yeah he's not gonna bounce back he's already checked out i've been with him long enough that i saw him go through all the stages of you know denial and fear and acceptance and i was just like i saw it months before everyone i'm like this is like you know probably his last few months and then, yeah, you know, when it finally got to a point in the hospital where we were just like, okay, we have to set up some rules here. Like, yeah, we need a DNR, which is a do not resuscitate. If he goes into cardiac arrest, yeah, you have to let him just pass away. Yes. Because he's fucking miserable. Yeah. 
And, um, yeah, towards the end, it was just, it was, we had them put on what's called comfort care, where it's like you're letting them die and you, you're just keeping them out of pain, like with morphine. Like, that's right. You're not fucking putting them on all these machines to keep them going. You're just letting them go. Yeah, she was on those machines. And then at the end, uh, we just, I was like, just give her some morphine. Please stop this fucking stuff. Like, yeah. It's weird that the end of someone's life is it can be so fucking horrific. Like, yeah, it was basically relief. How old died. was she? Seventy six. Yeah, and it seems like when someone's lived that long, they should be able to go out with like some ease. fucking dis- dignity and ease, and like yeah. it should be uh, oddly like a celebration, and it should be quick and <sighs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, this got really dark. This is, this is terrible. Such a downer. Oh, I've cried no. a number of times while you were talking. Oh um, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked about this. <laughs> uh, no, it's good. It's good. I like talking about it, and it's it was a fascinating experience for me. It was a really weird. You know, every day when I would drive out to Riverside to go to the hospital to sit with my dad, I would be sitting in traffic and having just all these existential thoughts of, like, I'd look at people in cars next to me and going, she has no idea my dad is dying. I wonder if her dad's dead. I wonder if anyone she knows is dying. I'd think about that. I'd look at all the people in the cars, like, thinking about that and... Like, or, or what is their life? Like, or, yeah, are they what's, awake? Yeah, like, and I'm like, I hope that that person in their car is having a good life and go, and looking and feeling really connected, going, we're all going to have to go through this in some way or another. Some people it's quicker and easier. Some people it's harder. And then I was so depressed after my dad died that I started smoking a lot of pot just to fucking just keep myself in a haze but that ended up making me more depressed and a few friends were like you should try meditation Hmm. and that's when I started meditating and that's when I just got this really conscious awakening of like we're all fucking connected we all come from the same place whether you believe in a god who created us all out of the same thing Uh or a big bang which created us all out of the same thing we're all fucking connected connected yeah it was a very reassuring have you had that experience where during meditation where you feel like this is how i when i'm really i think something's happening it's it's like cutting a it's like um cutting a page out of a book but the page consists of all of your senses Uh so it could be it could be how you feel how you could feel the chair you're sitting in and the sound of an airplane going by and smelling something oh, and yeah. tasting this oh yeah one thing and but they're all connected yeah and it just keeps happening second by second by second like yeah it's amazing it's amazing when that i always i, I you know, know i i wanted to i wanted to meditate for so long but i had this weird preconceived notion of just hippies and doing and <laughs> Uh, you know, a mantra out loud going, oh, and just feeling like an idiot and being embarrassed. And it was nothing what I thought. And I thought you were supposed to just go into this trance-like state and not 
think or feel anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that you feel everything, everything. and you think of everything mm-hmm. and like all these thoughts come up and you know my teacher was like that's what meditation is these thoughts come up because they're thoughts you need to deal with and you learn to confront them and then you push them away with your mantra and it's fucking amazing oh i didn't know that's what it was the mantra pushes them away well the mantra is to get you back yeah. Because sometimes I'll be sitting there meditating and mm-hmm. I'll hear a fucking leaf blower outside and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And it takes me out and then I just start my mantra again. And then I the mantra is just to fo- give you something to focus on to kind of make those things go away. But, but yeah, I, I always thought that the leaf blower became a part of the meditation. Well, like, it does. Yeah. It does as well. It there's times to me where it's irritating, but there's also times <laughs> where I've been meditating and I've heard a garbage truck out on the street. And I'm like, hmm. my head going, oh, they're keeping the neighborhood clean and there are people driving that truck. And that's nice. And that then you're like, they, and whatever my mantra is. And, yeah, and then I'm like, oh, shit, where, where have I gone? Yeah, yeah. I feel so much better when I meditate. I, I'm, a fr- I'm friends with... Uh, this guy, he's a psychotherapist, and he was talking about when he when he has a client, like a, a patient, whatever the patient says, he lets that go through him rather than holding on to a thought. So I felt like uh, that was so similar to meditation because yeah. when you're meditating, you know, the thought comes and then they always say just to let it go. Mm-hmm. Don't analyze it. Don't hold on to it. So I thought there's so many things that are similar in yeah. These very different yeah. worlds, but still they're connected. Yeah. Psychotherapy and meditation. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Um, this was a good one. Oh, my God. Oh my God. 114 minutes. Is this how long it's going to be for, for real? Yeah. This is great. Oh, wow. I was nervous having you this morning when I woke up. Why? I was like, I don't know, Angela. <laughs> I... I know you from dinner at Jenny's that one I know. Night. We only talked for like 20 minutes there. Yeah. This and, is 114. Uh, yeah. I wasn't nervous. No, you shouldn't have been. You were just... No, I wasn't nervous because I, I think you're great. Like, I'm not... Oh, likewise. But I was like, oh, what if I run out of things to say? But this was obviously... I could have talked to you for another hour probably. <laughs> but that's it. I that's it. Yeah. Um... Thank you. So you have nothing coming out that, to promote? Like Westworld? Well, that's going to be a while, though, right? Yeah. But you, any, anyone listening who hasn't seen Westworld, you should really watch it. It's it's good. It's HBO is knocking it out of the park with programming. Yeah. You know, Westworld's you, so good. It's like a movie. It's not even like watching a series. You should be on Westworld. I would love to. You could be an android on Westworld. I would love to. You would be I'd, one of the hosts. You would be like a prostitute on Westworld. <laughs> I'd be just like a drunken uh, bar patron. No, but those guys come and go. You need like, oh, you need to be like, well, I guess you could be. You could be a guest that comes and yeah. you can then come. It's to so good. I love the, the whole turn that that show took. What, what role would you play? What would you want to play? I would, I think, want to be a, a host. Yeah? I think they're the coolest. Like, but what kind? Like, 
a badass. A badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, they're like, James Marsden's character was so fucking great. I know. And he's so kind. I like him a lot. And also, I love Jimmy Simpson. Mm. Um, Do you guys know each other? We follow each other on social networking. I think I met him at an audition once. Hmm. I think we both auditioned for that um, uh, Reese Witherspoon movie, the one where she's backpacking. What was it called? Oh. uh, Wild or something? I think it was called Wild. Yeah. I think I saw him at the audition for that. Oh. We were auditioning for this guy that she meets while she's backpacking. Oh, yeah. And it, it was one of those auditions where it's like... It's not a funny part. It's just a regular guy. But you're I, both very funny. He's, he's also a really funny. funny he guy. played a character on a recurring character on Late Night with David Letterman called Lyle the Intern. Oh. And he would just come out and he'd be sit down in the seat next to Dave and like talk shit to Dave. <laughs> it was so great. And I I need to see this. Well, someone sent me a link. It's because I hadn't seen it in years, and someone sent me a link to Lyle the Intern. I was I looked at it. I'm like. That's Jimmy. Oh, that's really funny. And um, I'm going to look it up today. I'm a big fan of that guy. Yeah, and, he's, uh, he's so talented. Just the, that's a dream gig right there, that character. Oh, the arc he, of his character yeah. and the... Yeah. I don't give away spoilers, but... Man. Fuck, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Isn't, it's, it's, it was nuts when I found out who he is. Do you get the entire script for the whole show or just your scenes? You get the... Well, yeah, depending... So you would get them... Wow, I said a lot there. You just get the episodes. So you get the full thing. Okay. But you don't know anything more beyond, let's say... Right. um, Episode one, that's all you get. And then episode two, that's all you get. How far in advance do you get your scripts? Just like a few days before we start shooting, like a, oh my God, like so, a week yeah. before or, yeah. So you have, when you're shooting episode one or two, you have no idea what's coming up. No. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's kind of... When yeah, I did I Guardians of the Galaxy, it was, they just gave us our sides. Oh, wow. Unless you were like Chris Pratt or one of the main people, you didn't get the script. So I haven't seen Guardians of the Gra- Galaxy. I want to see good. it. It's good. Um, but I've heard I would, great things. I would just get my signs, uh-huh. and they made no fucking sense. <laughs> and I and we shot out of order, so I had no. The month I was there, I had no idea what was going on. Where did you guys shoot that? Atlanta. Oh, and I've s- never been. Love it. Really, yeah. I hear so many people saying that. It's a great town. And then, uh, yeah, when I saw the movie, I was like, holy shit, that's what that scene means. And Isn't that nuts that you, we have no clue what it's going to look like or what? I love that. And then you see it all come together, and it's so yeah, like beautiful, all the elements that just meld together. I did an episode. Ooh, God, just keep, I'm going to keep talking. Are, are you in a rush? What time is it? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No problem. We did an episode of Sarah's show where Brian and I switch bodies. Oh. And the joke is we're so similar that you couldn't really tell. <laughs> like, no one could tell that we switched bodies. Oh, that's funny. But um, I was so confused by the script because they had our names switched because we also switched. Like, it, 
The script was so confusing for that episode that I memorized all the wrong parts. <laughs> I memorized all... I forget how it was worded, but I showed up on the day of shooting, and I was like, wait, that's my line. And they're like, no, that's Brian's line. And I was like, I memorized... Brian's lines. All the wrong parts because it was a body switch. How did they write that? Did they write your character? I think it said... But- once we switched, it would say Brian as Steve or Steve. It was really confusing hmm. totally. to me. Everyone else was just like, no, this makes total sense. <laughs> I was like, oh. So what did you do? You just memorized on the spot? Yeah. Um, it was. It, we never had a ton of lines. Thank, oh. thank God. I'm bad at memorizing. I'm going to watch the show, your show. It's all To people listening, it's all on Netflix. On all, Netflix? All three seasons, yeah. And Feel no pressure though, but it's it's out there. And what was the other one, Lyle the Lyle the intern? intern. Just YouTube Lyle Lyle, Lyle the, intern. the intern, David okay. Letterman. Yeah. Uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having it was me. So this awesome. Was I feel like we've bonded and our friendship's gone to a whole new level. It really has. We've shared more than I've shared with some therapists. <laughs> <laughs> We've laughed, we'd cried, we've had gluten-free pretzels. pretzels. And um, and I, we sat in this room. Yeah, we're at Starburns, actually, where they Starburns. do Rick and Morty. Um, sometimes I, I don't do it here. I go to people's house. Like, I have mobile capabilities. Because some people are just do like... Do it next time at, like, a park or... Anywhere. anywhere. I've done them in my car with people. Oh, cool. Yeah. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, I'd like Anytime. that. Anytime. If you think of something you forgot to talk about. <laughs> In the 122 minutes. Uh, yeah, 122. This is one of my longer ones. I'm stoked. Uh, thank you, Angela. Thank you, And Steve. thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, catch you next time. Yes. Bye. Bye. Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.